It's time for the real stuff. 18 weeks done and dusted, and we have our final 14. Let's get stuck in ahead of a mammoth wildcard weekend. Clinches, misses, coaches sacked, retirements. Welcome back to the Punt Return Podcast. Week 18 had it all, of course, and we'll cast our eyes back to the key moments and have a look at the ahead to the week that what will be a wild one, that's for sure, especially if it lives up to what we saw last year in the playoffs. Nick Splitter joins me as always. How are you, mate? How would you see last week? And, of course, very exciting heading into the playoffs now. Yeah, good, mate. It was it was a, a pretty wild one, wasn't it? It went down right to the last game of the, of the weekend, as the NFL would have wanted in the way that they've Scheduled the the final week and, and flexed the fixtures and, and all that sort of stuff that the uh, the Lions and Packers finishing off the final week of the regular season and, and that was a pretty uh, entertaining and engaging game right to the right to the final the final minute um, but yeah pretty pretty impressive week of football it's, there's a lot on the line for a lot of teams and uh, I think generally the the right teams the right teams got over the line I think. Yeah, I reckon it was probably, you know, a just result, I suppose, in week 18. And, and you know, after all the struggles the Packers had, they probably didn't deserve that playoff spot in the end. So um, the Lions cruelly denied um, by the Seahawks, of course, with that tiebreaker. But uh, to deny their NFC North foes would have felt sweet for, for the Lions fan base and, of course, ended up with a winning season, of course, as well, which is um, an impressive effort. A few a few flops, um, probably the biggest one being the Cowboys, see how they kind of can bounce back this week um, against the Bucks, And, of course, the Eagles did what they needed to do, um, jumped out to a really big lead early and, and did got the job done and, and sealed an, a deserving NFC East um, bye, I suppose, uh, NFC East crown for one, and then, and then a bye, of course, as well. So, no, I think it was a pretty pretty good weekend of football um, overall. And, and, of course, the Jags left it late and, and, and <laughs> made a hard work of it, but they got it done from the defensive end to, to knock off the Titans as well. So, yeah, I think we're, we're really um, lucky this week. We've got six well, um, yeah, six great matchups to, to look forward to. And, yeah, no doubt wildcard weekend. It always throws up a, a curveball along the way. So which team is it going to be this week that makes a statement and can, can um, pull off the upset? Yeah, it's 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 a really tough one to look at because I think there's a few obvious a few obvious players for us in in this one. And I think we're on the page the, the the same page for for most of Wildcard Weekend. But there are a couple that are kind of you know it's fifty fifty and and it feels like there's a couple of games that, that are pretty much pick them and and they're hard to they're hard to play. Uh, and you know a, a few games obviously the Jags and the Chargers, uh, you know the Cowboys and, and the Bucks. It feels like you know, maybe there's there's an obvious winner, but maybe there isn't. Um, and, and you know, depending on your your perspective, uh, the obvious winner could go either way. Um, so, yeah, you know, I don't think it's it's as obvious as as you know the fixtures might look. I think there are a couple that that clearly are, but uh, you know, I think it it should be a should be a pretty good wildcard weekend. Like you said, it always throws up a, a couple of curveballs, but uh, I'm really intrigued to see where this curveball comes from, which which game, which matchup, uh, if there are any any you know major upsets and massive upsets. Uh, it's going to be a, a few of those matchups are going to be tough ones to pick. Yeah, look, there's a couple of pickems really. I mean, obviously the Jags and Chargers are probably is probably the closest one in terms of a kind of a coin flip uh, scenario there with the odds so close for both of those teams. And then of course, yeah, I mean, could we see the Vikings after you know such a, a fantastic regular season um, bow out in the first week? We we could obviously see that happen. Um, the Lions quite well. One of them one has of them, to. Yeah. One of them, I mean, it's 
<laughs> one of them has to. And, and, you know, I'm sure we'll talk more about this matchup later. But, yeah, I mean, one of those teams, one of those teams has to. One of them shouldn't even be in the playoffs, to be fair. <laughs> He's not going to let that go to you. And another team that probably doesn't deserve <laughs> to be in the playoffs is the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But by virtue mm. of uh, winning their division, they're, of course, snuck in at 8-9. and nine. That's the first losing regular season for Tom Brady in his, his 21 or 20-plus 20 year career. So, incredibly... He's still stuck into the playoffs despite that losing record. And I, I still think there are a chance. Mike Tomlin could get yeah. him. Mike Tomlin Absolutely. could get him. Absolutely. I know. It's it's crazy. Like Mike Tomlin, wow, another another season uh, for the Steelers. I mean, I know they didn't make the playoffs and they're a bit unlucky in the end. They they really charged home to the line for the regular season. And the Dolphins really, you know, they sputtered their way to a, to a win against the Jets. And it was probably more against the, the, the lack of Jets offense that, that got them there and yeah, I don't think see the Dolphins putting up much of a fight this week against the Bills um, off the back of that performance. But we'll get to that um, that matchup as well a bit later. But yeah, the Steelers, wow. Another winning season for Mike Tomlin. He keeps that incredible record alive. Nine and eight, the Steelers finish with and 16 seasons in a row. Un- unprecedented and unbelievable for a coach. It's it's incredible, especially, I mean, just on its own, as a pure record, pure number, 16 seasons in a row, winning record is incredible, and all credit to him. But even more so when you consider this season, where they've yep. come from just six <clears throat> weeks ago. I mean, this team was down and out, yeah, they're missing their best player, who, who I consider to be you know, the most valuable player to any team in the league in TJ Watt, uh, was my clear pick for, for Defensive Player of the Year, as he has been over the last Four years straight, I think, on this podcast. TJ Watt's been my pick for Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, and I think, you know, I, I still think that if he doesn't get injured end of week one, that he, he probably wins mm. it. Um, what he showed in week one and then ever since he's come back and the difference he's made to that Steelers defense and that Steelers franchise. Um, he, he's incredible. But so much credit has to go to Mike Tomlin and that coaching staff and, and that franchise and the way that they've pivoted and built the franchise. They've obviously... You know, they've had their ups and downs over the last couple of years as they exited out, you know, their franchise legend QB in, in Big Ben. And, you know, what were they going to do this year? Was it going to be, uh, you know, was it going to be the, the rookie? Was it going to be the the vet backup? You know, who was who it going to be this year for, for Pittsburgh? And, and they've kind of gone back and forth a, a number of times. And, and the rookie won out, you know, he's ultra talented, uh, needs to work on his consistency. I know you're a big fan of, of Kenny Pickett. Uh, and he, he's shown why in moments. You know, he, he certainly is not the finished product yet, um, and, and neither are the, the Pittsburgh Steelers for that matter. But, you know, there's there's now a lot of talent on that offense, and you know, I think they're going to continue getting stronger because that's what good franchises do, and, and the Pittsburgh Steelers are a good franchise. The record's more phenomenal for the fact that the NFL is so hard to stay relevant and stay up. And, you know, we like like the AFL here in Australia – because of the draft system, it does it does obviously make it a lot more equal, and that equalization comes into to parity. And you know, we obviously the top end talent. The Steelers haven't had access to that in in decades. Um, That's right. They haven't had a top you know top five, top ten pick really. I mean, I mean, we could probably comb back, and they've probably traded up and and got one or two over that time. But they really haven't drafted anyone of note since Big Ben. Um, you know, really high up and. Um, I know he slipped down even. So look, that that franchise is phenomenal, and, and they just had that winning culture, don't they? And and obviously, it starts with the coaching um, there with Mike Tomlin. He's he's an absolute ultimate professional, and yeah, I think Kenny Pickett is a, an ultra talented quarterback, and you know he's grown before our eyes this year, and he certainly had a really really strong back half of the season. And if not for missing in one or two games with a concussion, he really would have put his hand up for offensive rookie of the year for mine. And 
he um even he might even still be in the conversation. That's something we'll touch on a little bit later when we we go back to our preseason predictions. But I, I think he's um, yeah, and, and they've shown. And they've shown. I mean, George Pickens, who's who's probably not in that not in that conversation, no. but again, in in moments, you know, a number of just insane catches, you know, one handed catches, vertical catches, like the the talent that these that some of these guys have is is incredible, and they've just got to work on on their consistency and their play calling and, and execution. And I think that you know, pretty soon, this Steelers team is going to be pretty good again. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, look, that defense is built for success, and and of course, they just kind of need that. That to come to peace, um, come to fruition on offense, but also to keep keep healthy on de- defense as well. Yeah, well, that's right. And and for what it's worth, you're going back to to your comment about you know top top picks and whatever. TJ Watt, who's their best player, was it was a first round pick for, for what it's worth, but he was pick thirty. That's what I mean. Like they're, they're always picking late in that first round, aren't they? And that's right. That's right. And and look, you like like a number of franchises. Um, yeah, I think the Steelers just do it well. You know, they know how to they know how to run a team, they know how to run a squad, they know how to run a business. Uh, you know, they just do it well. They're smart from top to bottom, uh, and, and you know, they might have a little stumble every now and then, but they still end with a, with a winning record. Um, and you know, they'll do it again next year and probably for the next decade as well. Yeah, absolutely. Well, some teams um, aren't so lucky with the coaching carousel, and of course, there's some more firings this week that we touched on off the top and. The, the one that's hard done by, I suppose, is, is Lovey Smith. And, of course, you could tell he was playing to win in that last game. And there was I know there was reported during that during that game and during the week that there was a, a meeting between ownership and, and, and Lovey Smith before that game. So, no doubt, he probably had his paper stamp before before that game, sadly. And, and no doubt, he wanted to go out with a win. And what a phenomenal way to go out um, if he doesn't return. Um, it really was a, a, a great, gritty performance by the Texans. And... Some of the most comical plays you'll ever see at the end of that game, but uh, they got it done. The Texans and won the the game that no one wanted to win, I suppose, in a way, and have now missed out on the number one pick. Well, that's right. They got it done in in some sort of way because really they had no right to win that game. They had no want to win that game, and and there was no reason to win that game. And we spoke about it last week on on this podcast that you know it, it would be just so like the Houston Texans to to get up and win the unwinnable game. Like there was no reason for them to turn up and, and win that game. Uh, you know, we know that they're probably going to stay with uh, with Davis Mills potentially as, as their QB. Uh, but, you know, there's plenty of opportunities to, to trade down from the, the one pick and get a bunch of assets. Um, you know, this... And and even if they do choose to, to go with one of those two, two QBs at, at the top of the draft, you know, there's... Yeah, they're two guys that could, that could potentially be a franchise leader for the next decade. So, you know, it's, it's just a ridiculous, ridiculous circumstance and unbelievable by the Colts on, on the flip side that they couldn't win this game. Like, yeah. They had nothing to lose by winning the game. You know, they don't have their first round pick. Um, yeah, nothing to lose by winning the game. They had pride to play for and, and that can be so strong and so, you know, so important and they just they couldn't get it done against the worst team in the league. A phenomenal and an indictment on the the, the Colts as well for that for the, to lose that game and hundred percent. Look, I think the Texans have probably potential. I don't know if they've shot themselves in the foot because obviously we know Justin Fields has had a, a, a ridiculous year in terms of his of his rushing. He's, he's shown a lot of improvement in his passing. The Bears, I think, now believe in him as as an organization, and whether or not yeah. they decide to 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 trade down, as you said, and, and take a um, some more picks to trade up that number one pick, but 
maybe they do draft a quarterback at early and, and, and put the pressure on Justin Fields. But I think the Texans have probably seen enough now with Davis Mills. And look, we're both probably um, not high on him, but certainly believers of him. And, and you know, he had a bit of talent and, and the Texans probably, you know, treat him a bit unfairly in the midway through the season. But um, some of the throws he, he threw in that game and, and, and maybe late in the season probably has me questioning whether or not the Texans are going to kind of believe in him. If, if Bryce Young's available or someone like that is available at number two, I think the Texans do take a quarterback. I know they have a lot of holes to fill and a lot of positions to fill, but mm. obviously the quarterback is the number one position, um, the most important, and I think they will they will draft a quarterback, whether or not that's at one or two, the Texans. But, um, yeah, I think they'll, they'll yeah, go look, that you're, way. You're probably right, and and, and I, I, tend to, I tend to agree with you. Uh, only in that... Yeah, we we just spoke about the Pittsburgh Steelers as, as a really good franchise. The Houston Texans are the exact opposite of that. They are not a good franchise. I don't think they make good decisions. They haven't made good decisions for a very long time. Uh, even when they were winning games, you know, when you have DeAndre Hopkins and uh, Deshaun Watson and and you know winning games of football and and you know, competing for for division titles and all that sort of stuff, they still didn't make good decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I do feel I do feel sorry for Davis Mills. I, I feel the same as I did midway through the season that he he kind of showed enough when when given the opportunity to, to play football he kind of showed enough that he can play you know at a decent enough level to be competitive but the Houston Texans have done an appalling job at putting talent around him whether that's on the offensive line whether it's at receiver you know we finally know that they got some got some talent at running back with uh, with Damian Pierce uh, and, and you know able to, to to do some stuff on the ground but. You know, you can't you can't expect a quarterback to do anything solid in in the NFL when you've got a running back and nothing else. Uh, and that Houston Texans offense is just devoid of talent outside of Brandon Cooks and and uh, Damian Pierce. And I feel really sorry, sorry, I feel really sorry for for Davis Mills because I think he's a good enough NFL quarterback that he can he can stick around in the league for a while uh, and probably deserves a job. Uh, but he probably won't get it now because I think you're, you're probably right in that they will take a, a QB, one of those two guys with the second pick, um, and see what happens when when they shouldn't. And I feel like they should stick with Davis Mills and use that pick to fill a plethora of holes in in that team. There is a lot of holes. And look, another a team that moves on from their coach. Uh, this one a little bit more surprising, not for the fact that he got fired, but the fact that he only signed a a contract extension 10 months ago and and <laughs> he's owed a lot of money and that's Cliff Kingsbury who who has certainly um, had his faults in Arizona. He's he's had a quality couple of seasons, but again, they just haven't had that success in the playoffs. We know they've really fallen away badly late in seasons. They didn't get their season going at all this season and um, to finish with four wins, the writing was probably on the wall for, for him. Um, there's obviously a few, there's probably a few instances this year between coach and star quarterback that, probably were a little bit unsavory and didn't go, uh, weren't in favour of, of old Cliff. And um, I think he'll just obviously slot back into the college system like like a Matt Rule will as well, um, who obviously got fired earlier this season. And, um, yeah, I think it's the right move for the Cardinals. But the fact is that they're going to owe a lot of dead money because of, the again, some silly decisions earlier in the year. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I mean, it, it was probably the right decision to, to sack him now, uh, the wrong decision to re-sign him earlier in the year. Uh, but, I mean, look, it's hard to argue. I mean, they won eight straight last season and, you know, that they were on the verge of, of you know, a pretty solid playoff run. Had they, 
you know, got things right towards the end of the season and, and they got hit hard by injury and you know, a bunch of bad luck towards the end of last season. And from the start of this season, hit hard by injury and a bunch of bad luck. And you know, everything that could have gone wrong for, for Arizona went wrong for Arizona and Cliff Kingsbury. Um, but, you know, the good teams rally and, and find a way. And, uh, you know, even when things have been going well for, for the Cardinals, they haven't been able to rally and find a way. So, you know, it's probably the right call. Uh, I, I do wonder if Cliff Kingsbury gets another job in, in the NFL at some stage, maybe as a, an offensive coordinator. Uh, I think you, you're probably right in that he goes back to college, at least for a while. Uh, because, you know, it, it, it's comfort time and, you know, when, when you, you go through an experience like like that and, and the last couple of seasons in, in Arizona that you want to be comfortable and, and you want to get back to enjoying enjoying your work and, and your role and, and all that sort of stuff. And, and I think that he can really do that and be a really good college coach. Again, I think he probably does deserve, a, again, another chance in the NFL, but whether that comes, you know, next season or, or in a couple or, or five or ten or whatever, um, you know, we'll see. But But I think that he's certainly shown enough at times to, to, you know, be in conversations, whether it's for a head coaching role or, or you know, a senior OC or, or whatever. But, um, yeah, look, it, it was time. It was time for the cards. I agree. I think it was the, the right time to pull the pin. And, I mean, they are in a stacked division, which doesn't help. But, um, yeah, I think just the way things kind of unraveled this year was probably the right call for the Cardinals. So a couple other coaches on the, on the carousel to talk about. Two Sean's. Let's start with the previous Super Bowl winning coach, Sean McVay. Surely, surely the Rams and him work it out. I mean, he's a he's a generational kind of talent in terms of the coaching landscape and, and what he's brought to the NFL. And obviously this season didn't go as expected for the Rams and probably yeah. um, we all expected, but they had some serious injury concerns. But uh, I know it wasn't looking good even before those, but surely they work it out and, and Sean McVay is still in Rams colors next year. Uh, I think I think the Rams want that. I think the Rams want that uh, for sure. I, I think the issue here is that uh, I don't think Sean McVay wants that. Uh, you know, he spent the last decade working his way up to being a, a winning coach, a Super Bowl winning coach, uh, and now is on the verge of a, a complete rebuild with the Rams and not many assets to rebuild with. Uh, you know, they've got no first, they've got none of their own first rounders for the next what, four years, something like that. Um, you know, they, they are an old team. Uh, they're devoid of kind of rookie and young talent. Uh, their best players coming off a, a really serious injury that saw him miss the second half of the year. And, uh, yeah, they, they were already you know, basically cooked already before that, but they were well and well and truly done after that. Uh, and it just depends on, on Sean McVay's appetite to, to go through a rebuild. And, you know, like I said, without the assets to really do that, normally when, when teams come off a, a really shitty year like this, you know, they can always fall back on, we've got a top five pick or, you know, whatever. And the Rams don't. And, you know, it, it comes down to whether Sean McVay has an appetite. Having gone through his multiple winning seasons and and, the, and his record uh, is what it is. It speaks for, for itself. Uh, you know, revolutionary to a point uh, with the Rams in, in the way that he coached and, and has led that franchise o- over a long period of time to winning a Super Bowl and, and you know, all of those things last year. Uh how much does he want to go through a, a, a complete rebuild with potentially you know, no quarterback, no first-round pick? Uh, who knows what Cooper Cup's going to be like in the first month of next season? Uh, so, you know, can it get better quickly in LA, I think is probably the question that Sean McVay is asking himself. And, and if not, then how long is it going to take and, and does he have the stomach for it? 
Yeah, it's a, it's a really good point and, and probably one I, I, I missed in terms of um, how I intrude that. But yeah, I think you've made some really, really valid points and it'd be very interesting to see how that plays out. But I, I think for the time being, I think they'll probably stick it out for one more year potentially, but we'll, we'll just have to wait and see kind of how that plays out. Especially if, you know, there's going to be a lot of um, question marks around Matthew Stavard and, and his availability. Yeah. If he's going to come back and I mean, it, it makes it hard if you if you don't have the quarterback um quarterback to to kind of run your team especially a a guy like like Matthew Stafford so yeah interesting well, that's times. right and and you know could could they do it with a Baker Mayfield could they do it with a Derek Carr could you know you know what what do the Rams need to, to be able to get back to that you know elite competitive unit that they were 12 months ago um, there's a suggestion I like that Derek Carr in in in, in LA might be might be something there I, I don't know. It, it only makes sense though if Cooper Cup is Back fit and healthy for week one. Yes, uh, and that'll be um, the question on many fantasy managers' lips, like mine. Do I keep <laughs> Cooper Cup going into next season for my keeper leagues? But yeah, big question marks. I'll uh, keep my powder dry for a little while and uh, play that by ear. Sean Payton is the other one, the other Sean, of course, and and he's been linked strongly to to Denver, which would be a really really interesting move and and an exciting one for the league, I think, and and for him. Um, I know they've had their huge struggles this year but with Russell Wilson. He, he kind of showed a little bit in that week finale, week 18 finale. I know it was the week 18 and a lot of um, average teams can be made to look good. But, you know, they did play a, a fairly strong Chargers team that are going to the playoffs. They didn't certainly rest their, their key starters, um, not until probably late in that game. So, I don't know. There's a little bit to work there with Denver, of course. If they can get someone like Javante Williams back in the lineup as well and you've got Jerry Judy who, who kind of, looked electrifying in that late, you know, despite the struggles, as I mentioned, of the offense. He was he was awesome in the in the late um half of the week um sorry, the back end of the of the season. And then you've got Cortland Sutton, who's obviously a, a talented guy. Uh you've got uh the rookie Greg Dolcich who who kind of took off this year at tight end. Um they they obviously need a few more pieces on the offensive side, but the defense is is pretty strong. Yeah, hundred percent. And and I mean look, if there's any if there's any, you know, veteran coach who's available who can get the best out of Russell Wilson again, it's Sean Payton. And, and you know, it, what what we've heard so far is that the Broncos have been given permission by uh, the New Orleans Saints to, to speak to Sean Payton, I think, next week. Uh, I think after the 14th, I think, was the the, the date to um, to to kind of cut off. Uh, and, and the Broncos had to wait until the 14th or 15th, I think, of January to, to kind of initiate uh, communication with Sean Payton. But... You know, he's been linked in the last couple of days to, to Arizona. Uh, and, you know, there's still question marks about New Orleans again and, and whether Dennis Allen is there. I think that he probably does get another year. We spoke about Dennis Allen last week, and I think that he deserves another chance. You know, it's, it's always tough coming off the back of that sort of franchise change and, and starting to put your own stamp on it and make a difference. And, uh, you know, I, I think that Dennis Allen gets another year, but but maybe not, in which case does, does Sean Payton look back at his old – his old stomping ground. Um, but it, it, it's a very intriguing possibility for Sean Payton in Denver with that offensive talent, you know, to to, to get that apron back on Russell Wilson and, and get him cooking again with that defense. Like, you know, it, it's really intriguing. And I think it's probably the perfect fit in this NFL, the way it is for current, you know, coaching roles with, with coaches that don't have a role. Uh, it's probably the perfect match at the moment, and, and that would be really interesting and, and really entertaining, and that would make Denver a must-watch 
matchup, a must-watch fixture every week next season if that was to happen. Couldn't agree more. And, and you know, they, they certainly haven't got um, a lack of funds, so they can pay Sean Payton whatever they want or whatever he's demanding. So, yeah, just watch this space. But, yeah, it's likely that we'll see Sean Payton back in the NFL, which will be great for um, all fans. And, and, yeah, if it's not Denver, maybe New Orleans. That would be a, certainly an interesting subplot. But before we get into the preseason predictions, mate, um, let's talk about a giveaway for our listeners. I know you've got some some really exciting information about, um, a, yeah, great prize. So let us, let, I'll let you uh, tell us a bit more, mate. Yeah, thanks, mate. We we do have a great prize. We've got a, a 2023 NFL Game Pass subscription to give away, uh, courtesy of NFL Australia. Uh, we've set up a punt return podcast Super Bowl Challenge Bracket League, uh, where you go and pick your bracket, Super Bowl winner, etc. Uh, and the winner of the league now gets a uh, an NFL Game Pass subscription for, for next season, thanks to NFL Australia. So just head to superbowlchallenge.com.au, sign up uh, and join our punt return podcast league. The ID is KTNFLTJ7. That's KTNFLTJ7. It's probably a bit of a mouthful and, and probably no one's going to remember that, but we'll have we'll have the link in the code on our socials. So head to Twitter at uh, puntreturnpod or Instagram at NFL podcast. And we'll, we'll chuck that link up and, uh, and the code and join the league. And, and you can walk away with a 2023 NFL game pass subscription for, uh, for next season. It's, it's one, you know, all Aussie NFL fans would want because it is, you know, such an important uh, investment that the game pass subscription for you know, anyone who wants to watch red zone or, or, you know, every game, every week, um, it's the only way to do it properly. So uh, get on it. Uh, Superbowlchallenge.com.au and sign up to our Punt Return Podcast League. And uh, like I said, we'll share that link and code on our socials. Uh, to, uh, get on it. Yeah, that sounds awesome. And, and obviously, you'll get to compete against Nick and I, so you'll just get to show you that you're far more knowledgeable than us. And Mine's already um, in, and it's bound to lose. So <laughs> I've actually – I just did my bracket um, when you sent me the link, but I haven't actually joined the the code, uh, the, the league yet. So I'll be putting that code in so we can compete against all our listeners and, and yourself as well, mate. But um, I don't think – Nick and I are eligible, unfortunately, to win the prize. So no, we won't win. If, so if, if one of us does, very wins, rare then... chance that we do. We'll <laughs> That's be right. Away well, to else. you know, we are officially fantasy champs. So you know, maybe one of us will win. <laughs> yes. But we'll say it now on record. If if one of us does win, then next in line, next yep. uh, next in line in the league, we'll uh, we'll take home the prize. Yeah, huge prize in it. I don't know the exact value, but I think it's roughly around. $300 or something similar for that, that that subscription. So a really great price. So thanks to Sean and the team at NFL Australia. Thanks. And make sure you give them a follow as well on Twitter if you don't. Um, Absolutely. Amazing, amazing content on their socials across all platforms. Now, I heard you mention champions, and let's touch on that quickly uh, for fantasy, mate. We are officially co-champs. Uh, we decided to split the prize with our um, with our competitor, and, and it worked out in our favour in the end because if we had gone with the Week 18 scores, we would have had an L. Yes, that's right. Thank, thankfully, we had this conversation on the show last week because yeah. we hadn't spoken about it before, uh, and we did uh, come to an agreement that we were going to offer. We were going to offer to either share the uh, share the prize or uh, or offer to, to to remove the you know the the the, the half a quarter scores from the the Bills Bengals game in in Week 17. And uh, just add in the week 18 scores. And, and for anyone who wasn't listening last week, we had Devin Singletary. We, we were up by 10 points with Devin Singletary to play. Uh, and our opponent had Josh Allen and Hayden Hurst. And that was pretty much done by the uh, the, the second quarter, I think, of, of the Bills <laughs> game. Um, 
so yeah, very lucky that uh, you know we kind of offered those two options, and the, uh, the the other the other fantasy manager chose to to share share the prize, and and thankfully uh, he did that because now we get some dollars in the pocket. Yeah, not many dollars, but it was not nice. many dollars. Uh, but you know, the, the it, fact, it, it, the fact that we, uh, we we were you know the first of season, obviously co managing together. Um, we got invited by some of our listeners to join and yeah, really, really chuffed to win it or co-win it, I suppose. We, we did finish the regular season on top. So we had a really strong season regardless and um, yeah, super fun and look forward to do it again and hopefully repeat as champs next week, mate. And next wait. Year, yeah, absolutely. And and if, uh, you know, if anyone else has got a, a league that, you know, mm. might have a, a spare spot, let us know and, and we can have a chat and see if, uh, if we can co-manage in another league as well. So let us know. Yeah, we'll... We'll take your dollars as well. Um, that'd be good. <laughs> no, don't be weird. Uh, we're not that good. But um, no, we got lucky. But um, no, very, very chuffed to have been co-champs. Now, let's have a look back. Let's just show you how much we don't know about the NFL. And that's going <laughs> that's back right. to our preseason predictions. Obviously, now that the regular season's finished, uh, voting and everything is closed, obviously, for those key awards. We couldn't find any markets for you folks to, to kind of talk through and, and kind of see where our our plays kind of landed at the moment. So they've closed the books on all all those props and, um, well, the props we can obviously talk to, but obviously the awards are the ones that we, we don't have a market on. We do know who is favoured, but we just don't have the exact um, the exact odds or anything like that. So let's run through the division winners firstly, mate. We both correctly tipped the Bengals, and that was actually a juicy, yep. juicy at, price. At decent yeah. odds too, at $2.60. Yeah, the Baltimore. Yeah. I think that came out to... Uh, to Two eighty-eight after the first the first month or so as well as Baltimore kind of firmed, uh, firmed even further. I think Baltimore started about two bucks and they came into a dollar ninety odd after the first month and and the Bengals uh, Bengals came out to to nearly three bucks uh, after the first month or, or five five weeks or so. So uh, pretty happy with that one to be honest. Yeah, that was a nice tick for us. Um, another tick, of course, was the AFC East, which wasn't too hard to predict this year. Although there was a, you know, it wasn't looking was. About halfway, halfway through, we weren't too sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I think that that says more about you know the you know the lack of confidence that that both of us had in you know the Dolphins for for a start, but you know also I, I don't think anybody expected that the Jets would would improve the way that they did. I, I certainly didn't expect the Pats to still be in contention come you know week seventeen. Uh, so you know for, for for me, it was really between the Bills and, and the Dolphins, and I had massive question marks about the Dolphins ability to compete for an entire season and so the bills even at the short short odds of a dollar 36 just seemed that you know the, the real obvious choice in, in that one for yeah me. and they came home, came home obviously with that wet sale and won seven seven in a row uh to to clinch uh, a third straight AFC East so the bills saluted for us uh the AFC South we both managed to not pick a winner despite both picking different winners um <laughs> uh, so it was the Jags I don't know it was the only the only it's the only division that we that we That's differed right. on, and we both got it wrong. <laughs> so for all those listeners that are thinking, "Oh, these guys are pretty smart," well, no, you're wrong too. Nah, it was disappointing. The Jags would have been uh, well third favorite. Uh, obviously, the Texans would have been the rank outsiders, but uh, the Jags would have been probably around that four dollar range. I think I don't know the exact number, but I, from from memory, I reckon it was yeah, it was about four fifty or, or somewhere between four fifty so and five. From memory, the Colts were the favourites that Nick locked in at a dollar sixty seven. Less said, less said about that, the better. But oh boy, that's gross. And the Titans, who completely choked to lose, I think was it six or their last seven or whatever it was, they were two eighty. So very nice odds for them, and I selected them, but unfortunately. Did lose that final week 18 game to lose the title, but um, not to worry. Um, 
at the Jags deserving of the AFC South title. So uh, a win for the Jags. And, and I know um, our good friend um, James will be counting his cash um, with the Jags. So I think he had a, a futures on them and, and even potentially midway through the season. So good job there, mate, uh, that we both missed would out. Have been, would have been pretty juicy odds. Would have been pretty juicy odds on the on the Jags halfway through the season oh, with, with the Titans. Like they had, yeah, well, pretty much sewn up at, at what seven and three or six six and three. Yeah, the was. Titans were seven and three, and the Jags were um, a long way off that. So yeah, you could have almost um, mm. got double figure odds, I reckon, up until there. So uh, a great win for the Jags and all the all the punters that took them. The ASC West, we kind of were made to look a little bit silly in the end, but in saying that, it wasn't too far wrong in the end. Obviously, the Chargers made the playoffs. We both selected the Chargers as, as a bit of an outsider, a smoky, I suppose, at the uh, $3 plus odds of three twenty. But the Chiefs reigned supreme again. Seven straight AFC West titles, uh, and they locked it up pretty quickly. You know what? All, all credit to the Chiefs. I think we were, we were both kind of – yeah, we were both very bullish on the Chargers. Uh, and, and, you know, the Chiefs have been up for a very long time. It's pretty rare that, that a team does what the Chiefs have been able to do over the last, you know, five, six, seven years. Uh, and so, you know, at some point, at some point, they're not going to win the division. Like, it's, that's just the way reality works. Um, I, I'm still, I'm still bullish on the charges, and, and I still don't think it was a horrible call because I think the caveat, the caveat that both of us put on that at the start of the season was that they needed better decision making, better execution, and better play calling from, from the coaching staff. And and we've seen all season that, you know, I we'll, we'll talk about it in a minute. But I had Brandon Staley as coach of the year because I thought that that was coming, and, and that's clearly not going to happen. It clearly didn't happen over the course of the season. Uh, and you know, I, right now I think that Brandon Staley is probably the the weakest link in this Chargers franchise. I think that offensively they're stacked, defensively they're stacked. Uh, some issues on special teams, but really their their issue is coaching and game plan and. And uh, play calling, and, and that's that's where they fall down. They fell down a number of times again this season, and so I'm I'm still okay with that. I'm still okay with that play, especially at the odds. Especially at the yeah, odds. exactly. And it wasn't a disaster. Obviously, the Chargers, as I said, made the playoffs. So um, yeah, we weren't too far wrong. They've they've obviously finished running up in the division, and you know things could have been very different if 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 the Chargers had knocked off the Chiefs. Yeah, you know, I think it was week two or three whenever they played, and the Chargers and were in so control of that injuries. game and, and were leading and. Then, of course, Herbert got hurt and um, he threw that That's interception right. and it kind of unraveled for a few weeks for the for the Chargers. They kind of got back on track, but, um, yeah, it didn't fully recover in the end. And they and they had so many injuries. I mean, that you know, Herbert missed those couple of weeks. Keenan Allen missed half the year. Mike Williams missed half the year. You know, multiple guys on defense, you know, high-quality guys missed, missed a lot of games over the course of the season. You know, it, it was just a – it was a bad year for the Chargers and, and – I expect that they're going to be better for it next year. I, I really hope that, you know, Brandon Staley puts it together for the Chargers because they could be anything, this franchise, with the amount of talent they've got. Uh, they could be anything. 100%. Let's move on to the NFC. So both finished with two wins and two two losses in the in the AFC, and we did the same in the NFC. Uh, let's start with a couple of the wins. The Bucks. geez, that was – that was, we were made to work for that, weren't we, for a dollar? Oh, jeez, it was it looked almost the most as ugly. Bet on paper, o- almost bet. as ugly as the Colts, the Bucks. Oh, Jesus. Well, I tell you what, that was would have been one of the greatest bad beats of all time. But in saying that, they were awful. And um, anyway, we'll move on. Dollar thirty the, in the, the bank. Less, the, the less said, the better, I think, on the Bucks. Correct. At this point. Uh, the other NFC 
Um, a division winner that we picked were your Eagles, mate. They were slight outsiders to the Cowboys, but uh, it looked pretty much a foregone conclusion after week four. They had come in from 225 where they started and potentially even longer uh, before we, um, you know, a couple of weeks out before the season. And then uh, after week four, they were $1.25. And it went all the way down to the wire, of course, to the week 18. Uh, and it took well, a, a week, a week eight. At, at week eight, I think they were $1.12. To win yeah, the division. so there you go. And, but, uh, uh, you know, it certainly wasn't as simple as as that. That makes it sound. It certainly wasn't that simple, especially after the uh, yeah, the final month of the season. Absolutely, but yeah, they've got the chockies. Uh, so well done to your Philly Eagles, and both well done to us for t- believing in the Eagles to to knock off the Cowboys this year and and claim that NFC East crown. Uh, the NFC North not so um, uh, easy this year, and and of course. We we kind of both kind of I know you were a bit more keen on the Vikings than I you you put mm. Vikings as a wild card team but we probably both didn't expect them to go on with the job and, and win as comfortably as they did obviously they end up winning the division quite comfortably by three wins they locked it up pretty early but um, we know we know they won a lot of close games but and the Packers finally came good late just wasn't enough but uh, yeah of course the Packers went down we both selected them at a dollar fifty seven and the and the Vikings saluted um, don't know what their odds would have been but it would have been at least two fifty uh, around the three dollar mark, I'd say. Yeah, I think that's they were somewhere around there, two two sixty five, two seventy, something like that. And and I think just thinking back, like I think really the consensus was you just don't bet against Aaron Rodgers at the moment. Like you just don't you don't do it. Um, and for I, I like the Vikings, like you said, but I thought that even at even at two fifty, you know, between two fifty and three bucks, I thought they were just a bit short to to win that to win that uh, division title against an Aaron Rodgers-led Packers team. You know, they play games at Lambeau Field that over the last decade, they've un- they're unbeatable, uh, unbeatable, unbeatable in, uh, <laughs> yeah, at Lambeau. And, and you know, they, they started to add a bit more talent. You know, we, we thought they were going to really rely on Alan Lazard and you know, the two-headed beast on the ground. And, and you've got Aaron Rodgers and you don't bet against Aaron Rodgers. So, yeah, that was kind of the the, the decision making and the thinking behind it is that even at dollar fifty five, dollar sixty, you know, the Packers are probably value at that point. Um, and, and I think that was the that was the thinking, and you know, obviously it didn't didn't work out. Uh, and full credit to the Vikings, but uh, I think everybody who listens to this show knows what I think about the Vikings, so uh, we'll, we'll leave it there. Yeah, I mean, obviously Aaron Rodgers coming into the season, you wouldn't have thought it halfway through the season, but he's the two time running MVP, and like you said. Yeah. The clear class MVP, well, the, the, one of the classiest and, and best quarterbacks in the league, and of course he did not live up to that this season, and was thoroughly outplayed by his counterparts within that division. Even Jared Goff could be, you know, could be even told in the same <laughs> breath as him, and you know, probably outplayed yeah. him on Monday night uh, and, or Sunday while, night, I should say. That's that's right, and and while you know, I think finally the the Packers defense did come good. Yeah, I think we expected that it would come good earlier, than earlier. it did, and, yeah. and they would be. <laughs> You know, a dominant force, even if the offense, you know, with some new faces and some rookies and, you know, Romeo Dobbs and uh, Christian Watson and, you know, AJ Dillon taking some more responsibility, you know, all those sorts of things that there were going to be some changes on the offense, on offensive side, but uh, defensively that, you know, they'd put the pieces in, in place to kind of be a dominant force in that, in that division uh, defensively. And, and it just didn't happen until, you know, at least halfway through the season and maybe a little bit later. Uh, and so that was really, you know, Despite despite the offensive struggles that they had for I don't know fourteen weeks of the year, if, if they'd had that that defense humming, you know, a couple of weeks earlier, we're probably talking about them as a playoff team. 
the NFC West, the Rams, they were probably look, they were good value at the fact that they were the Super Bowl reigning Super Bowl champions. We know it's a stacked division, but two twenty was did look nice and we got sucked in and to be honest, on paper you thought they still were the classiest team in the league. Uh, obviously Yeah. But that that didn't come to the fore and, and we've seen how good the Niners were this year and a really dominant effort by the Niners. They won, I think, what, nine or ten in a row or something now heading into the playoffs. They've had mm-hmm. three quarterbacks come and go, I suppose, this year, and they're just an absolute beast. And, look, I, I picked them as a, a wild card team. I, I, it was just too hard to, to bet against the Rams and, and what we saw last year and the way the, the season finished there. But, goodness me, the, the Niners just uh, ran away with that division. Yeah, you're I, you're right, 100% right. I think we got sucked in at the odds and the, and the value on the Rams. Uh, based on you know their their, you know, their their run down the stretch last season Super Bowl win, not much had changed. Yeah, they didn't lose a lot of talent. Uh, they did get another year older. Obviously, they had a bucket load of injuries, and things just didn't go right. You know, from from week one almost with uh, with Cam Akers, just you know we heard all preseason that Cam Akers was going to be the man on the ground for, for LA. It didn't happen in week one. Uh, and they got pummeled by the Bills, if you recall. We sat there at the pub watching that game, just kind of flabbergasted how that game panned out, and uh, it didn't get any better from there for, for the Rams. But you know, almost any year, you look at the the reigning champs at, at over $2 odds to win the division, you think, that shit, that's pretty good value, I would have thought. So, yeah, it's, looking back on it now uh, and, and seeing how good the Niners are, and I think we both said that the Niners were, were a good franchise, but... You know, can you trust them to stay fit for a season and, and you know all these things? And and again, you couldn't trust them to stay fit, but they were able to get it done anyway. And and it just shows just how strong they are and how stacked they are, uh, you know, on both sides of the ball. And and they're just you know probably the team to beat coming into the playoffs now. Yeah, I I, I certainly see, I still see them as the yeah potentially the team to beat now. Um, not just the NFC, but the whole. The whole league. Um, quickly, just on the wildcard teams we selected, obviously picking the Chargers. We both went the Chiefs as wildcard team, but we it's a half tick because they obviously made the playoffs. The Ravens both both went Ravens. We both got that right. Uh, you went Titans. I went Raiders. We both ended up losing that in the AFC. For the NFC, we both got the Cowboys correct. Uh, you got the Vikings correct. Uh, we both tipped the Saints, which uh, we both missed out on, and I got the Niners. So both got two out of three in our wildcard picks as well. So uh, not too bad there at all. Uh, yeah, and, and I'm not sure, you know, for what it's worth, I'm not sure anyone had Seattle in their, in their wildcard placings. So, you know, all the Giants for that matter. So, you know, can't argue with those choices really. Even looking back on it, you think they're, they're pretty solid, pretty solid picks, I would have thought. Uh, the MVP, that certainly didn't go our way. We both selected Justin Herbert as our pick, but we did have high hopes on the Chargers, but uh, didn't go our way. Your dark horse, though, mate, he had a very, very good run for your money. 26 bucks, you locked in Jalen Hurts as your MVP dark horse. And unfortunately, if it wasn't for the, that slight injury to his shoulder late in the season, he, he could be um, he could have been easily crowned that MVP. He still well, potentially he was, might he be. I mean, it's MVP. a slim chance, but... It's true. It's not over yet. It, it, it is a shot. It is a shot. And as, as we spoke about last week, I mean, the, the voters the voters have the potential to look at how the Eagles performed in those two weeks without Jalen Hurts and think, holy shit, Jalen Hurts is the MVP because look how different the Eagles are without him. And so that that's a very real poly, you know possibility. However, I think Patrick Mahomes deserves it. I think he's got it in the bag. But certainly an MVP bet preseason at 26 bucks would have been uh, nice to cash come the end of the season. Uh, but, you know, 
weeks coming into week sixteen, he was leading that leading that uh, that market, and uh, it's pretty hard to argue at that point. Exactly. I my um, dark horse was Lamar Jackson, who was also plus twenty dollars. He was at twenty one. He was looking very good in the first four, five, six weeks of the season before kind of a bit of a form slump before obviously getting injured and, and lose, um, not playing the back half of all the last what, five or six games. And still might not play. He still spent most most yeah. of the season until the injury in the in the top five of, of the market. And he still too, might not so. um, play this week, which is uh, really hard for the Ravens to yeah. do. Uh, but really uh, we'll move on. Obviously, no ticket air cashing. Well, yeah, Hurt's still alive for you, mate. A couple of the rookie of the years. Uh, it looks like it's uh, a race in three for the Offensive Rookie of the Year uh, between Alave, Garrett Wilson, <clears throat> excuse me, and Tyler Algier now has kind of bolted into calculations. They're running back from Atlanta. My preseason prediction was Chris Alave at the $12. The Ohio State products did start the season as a house on fire, did have a bit more of a quiet back half of the year. I think Garrett Wilson wouldn't be a bad pick. He's just got uber talent, hasn't he? And he... he um, he looks like an absolute stud going forward. And his teammate, Brees Hall, who was your selection, was, was probably the favourite uh, halfway through the season before he went down with the knee reco. So let's hope um, Brees Hall can come back bigger and stronger. Now. Well, I think both our picks spent some time, whether it was a week or a couple of weeks, kind of leading that that offensive rookie of the year market as well, which you know, I think kind of you know speaks to some some good speculative punting. Uh, I mean, you also had some some tickets with Kenneth Walker, who I think... You know, obviously missed a lot of a lot of football, but showed enough that you know. I think after a couple of weeks, you know, he'd gone out from thirty bucks to fifty bucks or, or something. And I remember we spoke about maybe you should double yeah. down on that. And, and you know, had, had he played a few extra weeks, and you know, maybe he's in that conversation still as well. But uh, I think I think your boy Chris Alave has that uh, has that sewn up. So well done to you for for taking that twelve dollar ticket. I would have still preferred the fifty one at Kenneth Walker. Because I, did your, <laughs> I did what you did. I had another ten on. Kenneth Walker, when you told me to double down, and look, he yeah, if not for a couple of missed weeks, he was certainly in calculations, and and he was just like a, a bold prediction dark horse that we had at the start of the year. So hundred um, percent. But yeah, hopefully Alave can salute there for uh, myself. Uh, moving on to rookies of the year, defensive Trayvon Walker, the number one pick, didn't live up quite live up to expectations in Jacksonville. Had a solid year, but you man, Aiden Hutchinson- second half of his year was pretty good. Second half of his year was pretty good. Uh, they, they've got it. They've got a good. They've got a good. A good pick there in uh, in Jacksonville. Yeah, they do. Good, really good young crop of talent um, emerging there in Jacksonville. And uh, your pick, Aiden Hutchinson, who was of course the number one pick. Uh, sorry, the the number two pick in the draft. He he's still within a shot. Uh, it looks like it probably will go to Source Gardner, the the amazing cornerback there for the Jets. Um, and we know we saw the um, Tarek Bullen have a huge year in Seattle as well. But uh, Aiden Hutchinson certainly in the conversation and will probably likely finish in the top three. Yeah, look, I think both those. I think you're right. Source Garden is probably probably the one to, to beat in that in that regard. But geez, I reckon there, there wouldn't be too many too many defensive rookie of the years. Yeah, most seasons, unless you have a you know out of the box ridiculous ridiculous defensive year like a you know, Micah Parsons or, or whatever. But uh, Aiden Hutchinson's had a very very good year and, and looks like he's going to be you know a staple of that Detroit Lions defense for a long time to come. Uh, and and he'd think that he's well and truly in the mix for, for this for this award and and you know if he doesn't win it uh, he'd be pretty unlucky but you know he comes up against someone like a Source Gardener who's just had one of those years in in that uh, in that Jets defense in that secondary he's just uh, he looks like an astonishing astonishing player Source Gardener Hutchinson also had I don't know exactly the stat off the top of my head so maybe I shouldn't have brought it up but he had 
an X amount of sacks and X amount of interceptions this year, which was one of the only yeah. players to have done that in I think it was like six six sacks and three and a half or three interceptions as well. And and I think it was the only player when you added something like QB hits or, or solo tackles or something, uh, was the only player in NFL history to have that that combination of, of numbers. Uh, and I, I know that I know they didn't make make playoffs, but they'd they'd be pretty bullish about the, the future of that franchise in in Detroit. They probably, I mean that that end of year end of year run end of season run for Detroit was was amazing to watch and super fun, but it probably was to the detriment of the franchise because I reckon they could have used another piece in that defensive line just to to solidify uh, that defense. Uh, and you know another early early pick would would have gone a long way to doing that. Uh, you know they're, they're doing the right things. I think Detroit they're they're on the right track. Yeah, for sure. And and as we spoke about last week, that division looks wide open for the next couple of years as well. So Detroit um, potentially will be knocking on the door for the playoffs once again next year. Uh, Coach of the year, as you mentioned, Brendan Staley probably dead in the water. Your selection, Sean McDermott, mm-hmm. still alive for myself, but I don't think he's going to get the choppies unless they can go all the way and win the Super Bowl. The Bills, but I think voting might have already done be done to the regular season, which I don't think. Um, you know, as, as amazing as the Bills have been again this season, I don't think Sean McDermott is in the conversation there. No, you're right, and and I think you know, looking back on the season as a whole, I think there's a few ahead of him. I mean, you look at uh, obviously Doug Peterson and, and the job that he's done in Jacksonville, especially in the second half of the year. Uh, Nick Sirianni and and the the change in the the Philadelphia Eagles year to year. Uh, there's a bunch of guys that that are kind of in this conversation. Sean McDermott de- deserves to be in the conversation purely for his leadership in Week 17 and 18, following yeah. the the Demar Hamlin situation well, and the way that he he brought his franchise together, the way that he led his troops, uh, looked after his men, and uh, you know really really led that franchise from the front, you know, and, and really showed you know that the priority of of you know human well being and, and his players' well being is is paramount and above everything else and and yeah i think that was really really impressive it showed a what an impressive coach he is and b what an impressive human being sean mcdermott is and and deserves to be in that conversation purely for that regardless of another incredible season for the buffalo bills yeah yeah. well said mate i think you hit the nail on the head there absolutely uh the defensive player of the year uh unfortunately as you mentioned tj watt probably won't be in that conversation but certainly would have been if he played a full season and was fully fit the reigning um defensive player of the year However, it's time now for Nick Bosa, my selection, who has catapulted up the rankings, and it looks like he's got that one sewn up. So a very nice collect, hopefully coming up at ten plus dollars for myself. And um, yeah, I think well deserved for for you know he's been so consistent since he's been drafted at uh, down in San Francisco. So um, a well deserved reward, hopefully coming up for Nick Bosa. I'll tell you what. We spoke about Nick Bosa about six mm. weeks ago as potentially the most underrated player in the NFL. And at that point, I think he was second or third in betting for mm. Defensive Player mm. of the Year. If he doesn't win this award, it is the greatest wrought <laughs> in NFL player awards that I've ever seen. Nick Bosa was the best defensive player of the season by a long shot. Uh, he is the favorite now. Uh, I think at, at that point, Micah Parsons was favorite. But his back end of the year has been yeah, average at best, and Nick Bosa has been phenomenal uh, in the second half of the season, was very good in the first half of the season, and, uh, you know, he's the MVP for the, the 49ers, uh, and probably still, even if he wins this award, will probably still be underrated around the league when you you talk about you know, players who play his position, and, and you've got TJ Watt and, 
and Micah Parsons and whatever, getting all the all the accolades and, and all the media attention. But Nick Bosa just gets it done week in, week out. Yeah, he certainly does. So hopefully a deserving um, award coming up there for the star defensive back for the Niners. And comeback player of the year, it's such a weird one, isn't it, that this market? And, oh, and so weird. Geno Smith, who we don't think should have even been in calculations, is the clear favourite and, and the likely winner, according to all um, publications and in all the predictions. Uh, Christian McCaffrey should be in that conversation. That was your selection. Mm-hmm. Uh, Derek Henry was mine, even though, again, I don't know if he should have been really in the market. And then we both both liked, as a dark horse and, and some value play, Saquon Barkley and you know, he he probably for me should be the should be the comeback player of the year, and we both got yeah. I mean, in, marks. I, I agree. In, in my mind, Saquon Barkley is the runaway winner of this award. I mean, Geno Smith is is a great story, and and mm. you know the romantic story, and and look at this guy who's come from nothing, barely got a job in the NFL to you know leading a team to the playoffs. But you can't come back from something that you never were, <laughs> and, and Geno Smith was. Just a backup in the NFL. He was never a starter, let alone a playoff starting quarterback, um, you know, regularly in any point in his career. And what he's done this year has been phenomenal. Like, don't get me wrong, but that's not what a comeback is. He hasn't come back from anything because he wasn't anything to begin with. Whereas you look at at Christian McCaffrey or Saquon Barkley, who were stars and then missed a lot of football, no fault of their own injury, you know, real bad injuries and, and long, long stretches out of the game and, uh, really to, to the detriment of, of their teams and, and themselves, obviously. Um, and, you know, I think that's how you judge a comeback player of the year. And but maybe they make up an award for Geno Smith, and, you know, the, the, I don't know what to call it, the ridiculous romantic player of the well, year. Well, I mean, he's uh, already got a Pro Bowl selection. Surely that's enough for Geno. But, I mean, like you said, I'd like yeah. to know and see back what odds he was at the start of the year if he was even in the markets. I mean, how can you award someone that wasn't even? Are you, I mean, would he have been? Would he have been one hundred and one bucks? Would he have been one hundred and one? Why would he have even been in the market for mine? Like that's the thing. As that's, you said, that's right. I mean, he didn't come back. coming into week one. They yeah, they were not even sure that he was going to start right. for Seattle. Drew Locke was the starter really until he completely that's blew right. it in in preseason essentially. So uh, interesting one that one, and, and probably a, a market maybe to avoid in, in the future because of, of kind of this <laughs> scenario. Uh, do you want to quickly run through the playoffs and, and what we're thinking there, or do you want to quickly touch on our um, our props? for the season. Um, oh, look, playoffs Playoffs is a difficult one because I think we you know, we both expect a lot more out of the Rams uh, and clearly the Rams aren't in the postseason. So that kind of puts paid to a, to a fair few of, of our kind of playoff predictions. Um, but, you know, I think we, we were both right in terms of, you know, the Chargers and Bills are going to be there. Uh, the Bucks are going to be there or thereabouts again. The Bills, again, we both had the, the Bills in the Super Bowl. Uh, against the Rams, I think your your play was Josh Allen for Super Bowl MVP, and and you know rightly so. I had Aaron Donald, which clearly won't happen. <laughs> uh, so you know a few a few of those are, are still alive, but you know once once one of your you know, yeah, playoff right. favorites is is not there, then you know the majority of your your playoff predictions are, are, are yeah absolutely. So let's quickly touch on some of those future props. Um, a bad beat in Week 18, which I didn't even realize was the Washington Commanders. Uh, <laughs> I took them under seven and a half wins for the season. They ended up with eight. Of 
course, by upsetting the Cowboys in Week 18, unfortunately. I also said Falcons under four and a half was the better this season, and that spectacularly backfired when the Falcons won, I think, four of their first seven games or something ridiculous. So, um, <laughs> yeah, pretty awful bet that one, and unfortunately, um, two losses there. But four wins from my other four plays, and that was the Bengals over nine and a half. I had the nice little top two between Dallas and Philly, or mm. in any order that was, of course, to 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 be finished the top yeah, two in the NFC well. East, and that was over two dollars at two ten. Derrick Henry to get over twelve hundred and seventy five rushing yards, uh, and Tyreek Hill over a thousand yards on the dot, which he almost doubled. He got seventeen hundred yards, so that was a nice <laughs> one. But um, yeah, four of four of the six. Tyreek Hill had that pretty much had that done by by week yeah, nine. I think halfway through the season, he was, like he was pretty much over yeah. that. So yeah, four of the six is a good result. Um, your best there, Chicago Bears under six and a half, absolutely shut in. Uh, they got half of that exactly. Yep. <laughs> they got uh, three. Wins. Yeah, I mean, I thought that that was my that was my yeah bet of the season. The Bears un, under six and a half. The other one that I really liked was Devonta Adams over twelve hundred uh, receiving yards, which you know again just shut in. I thought that line was very low for a guy of that talent with a, a QB who loves to throw the ball in, in Derrick Henry. Derek. Uh, uh, in in Derrick Carr, obviously Derrick Henry. I the same bet as you over over twelve seventy five rushing yards and 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 romped that in as always. Uh, a couple of losses for me. I certainly didn't expect the Giants to to be a playoff team or, or a wild card team. Uh, I had them under seven wins. Uh, the Seahawks under six again. Certainly didn't expect them to be a, a playoff team. And Mark Andrews over nine hundred and fifty receiving yards. I thought he was a lock. I thought he was a lock for that. Uh, he got close. I think he ended up being about seventy yards short. Uh, and and with Lamar Jackson missing, you know, the final month of the season. I, I reckon that he would have done that pretty easily with, you know, another another week or two of, of Lamar in there, but with Tyler Huntley and, and whatever, essentially not throwing the ball in uh, in Baltimore. That was uh, not meant to be, unfortunately. But, you know, I'm, I'm happy with three and three out of those uh, uh, out of those futures uh, at this point. Yeah, good result for both of us. So just sitting above 500 for us combined there. And then a couple of those bold predictions, dark horse bets that we, we kind of touched on. I had Justin Herbert most passing yards for the season, which is a bust. And Travis Kelsey most receiving yards, which was also a bust. Yours was Burrow most passing yards, which wasn't that far off in the end. He had a fantastic season. I think he ended up fourth. Yeah. I think he had fourth Adams, in the or third. It wasn't that far off either for the most receiving yards. He finished um, third. Also fourth, I think, for – yeah, also fourth or third yeah, for, for third, most receiving third, yards. A uh, couple that are alive, as I mentioned, I think I might have said 26 bucks for Saquon Barkley. We both locked in $18, even though um, that's a huge price regardless, but uh, $18 for comeback player of the year for Saquon Barkley. So our fingers are crossed for that. He's deserving of that award. And as I mentioned, mine was Kenneth Walker, at Offensive Rookie of the Year at 31. Now – this is a big one for you, mate, because it's it's a double-edged sword here. It's $11. It's the Philly Eagles NFC Championship winner. Huge. <clears throat> Huge. And I think I said at the time that I didn't expect it to happen, but I thought it was a possibility if everything went right. And, and if Jalen Hurts was able to prove that not only was he an NFL standard quarterback, which I thought that he had already proved last year, but that he was... He, that he had the ability to step up and be the man in Philly. And, and he did that uh, 11 bucks for the Eagles to win the NFC championship. Uh, like I said, didn't expect it per se, but thought it was a possibility if everything re- went right. AJ Brown had a phenomenal season. Devonte Smith stepped up again and, and had a phenomenal season. Miles Sanders had the best season of his career. Uh, you know, additions to the Eagles defense were, were amazing. Uh, and, and, you know, the defense was just, you know, 
dominant for, for most of the season. Um, everything went right for most of the season. And, you know, that's still alive. They're locked in the number one seed. Finally, they should have done it a month ago, but they finally did it last week. Uh, and so, you know, conference conference title for the Eagles is still alive. Yeah, absolutely. I think that would be um, a huge result for you and, and a deserving one. I mean, I think the, the Eagles have been you know, for, mo- for the majority of the season being the best team in the league. And I know there's a couple of challenges now knocking on the door um, from both sides of the of each conference. But, yeah, um, can't wait to see how that all plays out and, and where the Eagles lie. So quickly, well, we actually won't touch on Week 18 with Brown the Grounds. It was an absolute gross week for both of us. And um, the less said about <laughs> that, the tough. better. We were pretty stiff with our lock of the week, though, um, which ended up losing, which meant we were 8-8 eight and eight on the season. I know we missed a couple of weeks. Um with some some issues there with both of us kind of being unable to record, but eight and eight for the year, so a five hundred record could have very easily been ten and eight or, or uh, sorry ten and ten and six or something. We had a couple of bad beats. We had a this couple. One, we had a couple of real this bad. One beats. we had we locked in Pittsburgh and Cleveland at the unders, which looked like going unders for all money most of that way through, and then mm. of course it was a twenty eight forty two uh, twenty eight fourteen match, which um, at the points went over by one and a half, and you know. We, we both kind of like, loved the Steelers at minus two and a half, and we, we shied away and thought we'd roll the dice in the over-unders. So it wasn't meant to be, but um, otherwise it was a pretty disappointing week, so we won't touch on any other the other yeah. ones. But, of course, let's get stuck into the six games, the wildcard matches on a bye this week from the AFC is the Kansas City Chiefs, which they get very used to having that first week off. And, of course, your Philadelphia Eagles are also off this week in the NFC. And guess who the last number one seed was to win the Super Bowl? All right, why don't you tell me? It was the Philadelphia Eagles, of course, in 2017. <laughs> so it's been a few years in between. We've had um, yeah some seeds from all over the place, including a wild card team a couple of years ago with the Bucks. So it's certainly an open race uh, as we get into the NFL postseason. But let's kick things off again. We've got Sunday morning football. How good Saturday. Uh, Saturday afternoon, uh, American time, of course, in the West Coast. It's the Seattle Seahawks traveling to Levi Stadium in San Francisco to play the Niners. The Niners, big favorites, nine and a half. The total, 42 and a half. Why don't you kick us off, Nick? Uh, yeah, look, I mean, I said before that I think the Niners are probably the, the team to beat. I mean, certainly right now in, in the NFC. I'm not sure that they're the best team in the league. I mean, they're up there in the conversation. But I think that, you know, the Chiefs and the Bills probably have, have a fair argument in that uh in that conversation, even the Bengals potentially, based on what they've served up over the last couple of months. Uh, but certainly right now, the the San Francisco 49ers are the best team in the NFC. Uh, rated the second best DVOA team overall in, in the league. Number one when weighted towards more recent performance. We know how dominant they've been over the last two and a half months. Uh, and, and by some margin over the next best in Buffalo and the Chiefs in third. They are electrifying on defense. They're elite on offense. There aren't many holes at all on this Niners team. You know, they are the form NFC team coming into the postseason, uh, certainly the one to watch, like like we've said. And they absolutely have the ability to blow the Seahawks out of the water in this one. Um, like we've said a number of times, the, the Seahawks, Seattle have been gallant this season. But I can't imagine many pundits or broadcasters, punters, had the Seahawks at, at nine wins this season, uh, being a wildcard team, a, a postseason team, I certainly didn't. Uh, and there are some great stories to come out of Seattle, and, and obviously none bigger than you know the rebirth or the comeback 
the non-comeback of, of Geno Smith. But, I mean, right here, this is a classic massive gulf in class between these two franchises. This is the number one DVOA defense against the 14th-ranked DVOA offense, the number six DVOA offense against the 21st-ranked DVOA defense. It's a no-brainer that this should be a shellacking, and I think it will be. The Niners are in dominant form. Uh, I think they win this and win this well. Niners minus nine and a half. And I'm also leaning somewhat towards the over at 42 and a half because I think that the Niners could pile on some points in this one and, and they could put up 40 points on the Seahawks defense uh, quite easily. So my official play is the Niners at the, the nine and a half line, but I also probably have a little play on the uh, on the overs, but it's, it's probably a, it's a lean at this point. What about you? What have you got? Yeah, mate, I'm completely in the same camp as you and, and probably even on the on the points there as well, I'd probably lean to the overs there as well. But yeah, clearly my, my bet of the weekend, I think, is is the Niners minus nine and a half. I think they will just continue on their merry way. They're clearly the best team, um, well, the hottest team in the NFC playing this week, I'll say, mate. Um, they, they've just been un- unbelievable. No, you're right. I think you're right. And um, yeah, I think even Pete Carroll said in his press conference, he's like, oh, anyone but the Niners kind of thing. <laughs> it's kind of pretty much what he said. And I think they're right now, I think they're the best team in the league uh, and, and across across the board. So yeah, I think it's a, a pretty obvious play to play the Niners here. I mean, funnier things have happened in, 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 in postseason NFL, but I think that looks like a, a really logical play and um, the Niners should win and, and win well to kick things off uh, for wildcard weekend. Uh, let's move on to the doubleheader. The second game on Sunday, Sunday afternoon, our time at 12.15, the LA Chargers at the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Chargers go in on the road as slight favourites, minus one and a half, total 47 and a half, mate. This is a really tough one. I think we mentioned at the top of the show, this is potentially the toughest one to pick. And normally I, I feel like when, when games should be pick them, and, and I feel like this one should be, should be pick them. Um, but when there's, a, when there's a point and a half or more difference in, in that line, I tend to gravitate toward the underdog. Like uh, maybe you do in this one, but my gut's just telling me that the Chargers win this one. Uh, and I, I don't know what it is or why. Maybe it's because it felt like the Jags played their, their wild card game last week against the Titans to, to win the division. Maybe there's a letdown game this week. You know, it was such a, a high effort, high energy performance, you know, so much emotion in Jacksonville. We saw it on the face of Doug Peterson in the locker room post-game and, and all those guys and what an incredible job they've done in the second half of, of this season. Maybe this week is, is just, you know, a week too far for them. Uh, you know, they haven't been in the postseason for five years, but it's been four years for the Chargers too. And I don't know, I, I'm leaning the Chargers, even though the numbers and history and whatever tells me that, that you know, I, I, should, I should lean towards the Jags at the plus, but my gut's telling me the charges. So I think I'm probably just going to sit this one out. Uh, if I had to play something, it would probably be the charges here, but uh, I just don't think I can trust them enough to bet it. Yeah. I'm slightly opposed to you for the fact that, um, that you mentioned, I, I will take the, the, the dog here in a, in a pretty much a flip a pick em game, especially a home dog as well. And I, and I know um, mm. it doesn't count for too much in playoffs. I mean, it should, but it, uh, it, it typically doesn't sometimes. And, and I just, I know the Chargers, I don't know, they, they, they played their starters last week and, and Denver were better. But the fact they weren't able to kind of, I don't know, just allowed a lot of points there for Denver for an offense that really struggled. Mm-hmm. I know the Jags were, were good on defense and pretty poor on offense. They couldn't um, they couldn't run the ball at all with, with Travis Etienne now. I mean, and the Titans' run defense is, is elite. 
The Chargers deep run defense is not elite, and that's where I think the the Jags can exploit them. I mean, um, you go back to week three. I know Justin Herbert was playing hurt with his ribs, but it was an absolute beatdown by the Jags on the Chargers. And, and I kind of lean to that as a, as a good guide of, of kind of not how this game is going to play out. I don't think the Jags will win anywhere near like they did 38-10 on that occasion. But I, I just think they can unlock this Chargers defense with the run game and and Trevor Lawrence, who will be primed and ready for this, you know, he's played in massive games, including a national championship, um, you know, throughout his career. And this is as big as it gets now at home in a, in a playoff environment in the NFL. And, you know, he's had a career year. Obviously, he's only his second year in, but he, he clips to 4,000 yards. He had 25 total pass, passing touchdowns with only eight picks. He He's protecting the ball well. He's got a couple of good receivers. Obviously, Christian Kirk's been his favorite and, and been a good acquisition for the Jags this year. And, I know there's a few question marks on Mike Williams and even Joey Bosa, who kind of left the game limping a little bit last week. So that just a little bit question mark in my in my mind. The Jags are fully healthy and, and ready to go, and um, just an extra day's break as well will be, be be beneficial for the Jags who who stay at home as well. So for me, in a, in a pretty much a coin flip game, I do lean the Jags at the one and a half points, um, but certainly not a heap of confidence. Certainly not like I do in the Niners, but um, yeah, I'm happy to play the Jags, and I'll be. I'll be picking them come Sunday afternoon. Uh, let's roll into the Monday morning slate. We've got a triple header on Monday morning, kicking things off at 5 a.m. The Miami Dolphins up against the Buffalo Bills. The Bills minus 9.5, total 46.5. Can the Dolphins get near the Bills this week, mate? No. Simple answer, no. This is This is what the Bills franchise has been built for over the last three or four years. Forget that they didn't get the number one seed that they obviously would have liked and that they wanted. It doesn't matter. This Bills team has been built for the postseason to go out and win a Super Bowl. It's what they've been building for four years to go out and do. This is their time and they're going to stop at nothing to get it done. And and I'm not saying that they're going to go out and win the Super Bowl. That's not what I'm saying at all. But they are going to win this one and win it well. It's an understrength Miami Dolphins outfit. They just limped into the postseason just without their QB at the helm. Tua still hasn't cleared concussion protocols. He hasn't even gone into the final stages of protocols, which includes kind of some of that light on field work. Uh, you know, so there's a real worry that he doesn't he doesn't play again this week. Uh, and, and we've seen what they're like without Tua. Even, you know, the last kind of six or eight weeks. And and kind of the start of that stretch, even with Tua, they, they were struggling already. Um, so, you know, he's in serious danger of, of missing this again after 14 days off already. Uh, he's had multiple concussions. There, there's some real question marks around Tua and Miami uh, in that regard. Uh, they're in real danger of, of missing uh, Raheem Mostert as well. A broken thumb last week. That sort of injury normally sidelines running backs for, for multiple weeks because with that injury, you can't grip or carry the ball. It's nearly impossible. So, you know, does Raheem Mostert play? Um, Raheem Mostert was was their best offensive player last uh, last time they played Buffalo uh, in December. He had 17 carries, uh, 136 yards. He led the team in rushing with career high at 890 yards. Uh, caught 31 passes of 200 yards. He's got three touchdowns, two on the ground. Despite starting week one as the backup to Chase Edmonds and, and missed week twelve altogether, uh, and and they've had you know at different parts of the season you know running back by committee with uh, you know guys coming in and out all, all through the season, so he's a really important piece for for Miami. And you know if he misses and tour, uh, they've got a bunch of other injuries. Brandon Shell came out of last week's game with a knee and an ankle injury. Uh, have an, an MRI this week to determine how severe that is and, and whether he can play or not. He started eleven games at right tackle. 
Uh, Terran Armstead, the left tackle, missed last week with a bunch of injuries. He's got four or five reasons. He's on uh, on the injury report. They've got five, they've got multiple backup tackles on on IR backup offensive tackle Kendall uh, Lamb missed last week with an ankle injury. This Dolphins team is beat up. They probably shouldn't be in the playoffs based on their last two months. They're going to get beat down on Sunday night, Monday morning our time, by the Buffalo Bills. So the Bills minus nine and a half, and and again in this one, I'm probably leaning towards the under. At forty six and a half here, just Buffalo's defense is is tight, and I just don't know how Miami going to score points here, especially without Tua, without most it, uh, and and missing a bunch of uh, offensive players as well. So, yeah, Bills easy for mine, and and potentially the unders like you know, like a 30, 37 type scoreline, something like that. Yeah, uh, mate, you, I think you've convinced me, and it was probably the original play I had in mind as well was the Bills to play uh, was to play the Bills here at the minus as well mate just um just thought San Francisco were probably a, a safer bet at, at that minus but now the complete reasons you've, you've mentioned are exactly right and it's why I think Buffalo will win and win comfortably and mate and I now think, Miami are going to win by the way no no after, you've convinced having me, said think, all that Miami are going to win <laughs> no you've convinced me and I think I think you're exactly right I just don't see how Miami can score get a winning score against Buffalo here I mean that offense was putrid last week against another putrid team in the Jets, and in a way, yeah. and uh, I know the Jets' defense is is pretty decent, but um, yeah, without two, they look a little bit lost. And of course, as you mentioned, Raheem Mostert, who was uh, their best offensive weapon in that last clash against the Bills, uh, if he misses, which is the same injury Teddy Bridgewater has, essentially, they just can't grip the ball, and there's no way um, he'll be able to play if if that's the case, and. Uh, yeah, it's it's impossible almost to see Tua playing now at this late stage mm. without having getting got into that last stage of the protocol, as as you mentioned. And the other the other big loss is um the one you mentioned at the end there, Terran Armstead is I think probably their best defensive player. Huge loss. Been an absolute beast all season. I know they've got um, a couple of the guys like Xavier Howard and, and Bradley Chubb and a few others, but I think Armstead is their is their leader and their and their best defensive player and. It's going to be a tough day against the Bills, who are going to be supercharged emotionally as they were last week at home. And and, and let's just it'd be remiss for us not to mention Heem Hines and how incredible that was off the opening kickoff, and then um, again in the second half to retake the lead when they were losing and and potentially losing their way a little bit. And yeah, phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. Who, who he's done nothing since arriving at Buffalo halfway through the season. It, it's pretty much like he, he's had minimal impact. He's been more that punt return catch. He has hardly had a carry or a catch, but wow, what an impact to make for your new team. And um, that that Bills Mafia crowd were just going absolutely berserk last week. And to see the to see Demar Hamlin FaceTiming his team and, and tweeting throughout the game, what a, what an energy burst that would have given the whole whole franchise this week. So yeah, it's uh, it's going to be a big game for the Bills, and I think they win probably pretty comfortably in the end. So I might uh, change my play from a no play to a Buffalo minus nine and a half. As well, Ooh, mate. I like it. Uh, you've completely talked me into it. So, <laughs> double down was... on the Dolphins win. Dolphins upset win here. Mate, that could be, yeah, could be on the cards now. We've both mozzed them, but uh, <laughs> uh, it looks a, it looks like a safe one there for the Bills to advance. This one, uh, not so um, clear cut. I don't think <laughs> Monday <laughs> eight thirty a.m. straight after the Bills and Dolphins game. It's the Giants who take on the Minnesota Vikings. The Vikings. Minus two and a half point favorites, total 48 and a half. Yeah, look, this is a massive no play for me. There is no chance I'm playing this game. Uh, and I'll tell you why. We've been banging on about it all season. And these two teams deserve to play each other because one of them needs to go home this week. 
One of them needs to go home. Neither of them deserve to be there next week, but one of them will be. One of them has to go home. Both these teams have inflated records because they both won games they shouldn't have and didn't deserve to. All the numbers said that they shouldn't have won games that they did win. Uh, and, and like I said, I've said it all year, full credit to them for winning games that they shouldn't have won. But this is a different ball game now. This is playoff football. This is the postseason. And, you know, this is just gross. I want no part of it for that very reason. Uh, so it's a no play. But if I was to play something the data tells me that Minnesota minus two and a half and over 48 and a half, if that means anything to uh, to the listeners at all. But uh, big no play for me. Yeah, I, I, mate, that was um, it was pretty obvious that you were going to play a no play. Two teams you don't have too much time for. <laughs> I know you picked the Vikings to, to make the playoffs, but, yeah, it's pretty clear cut that in the last couple of weeks, if you've been listening, Nick's, uh, yeah, right off the Vikings uh, bandwagon. I, I certainly didn't have them as a 12 or 13 win team, that's no, for sure. No, definitely not. And look, I mean, it was pretty um, evident to see kind of where this game's going to end up when these two teams met. I think it was only a few weeks ago back in uh, week 15 or 16. Um, it was a walk-off field goal by Greg Joseph and the Vikings. They've done that a few times this week, uh, this year, I should say. And, um, yeah, who knows? It's got, it probably might come down to a, to a late field goal again in this one. And, um, yeah, back in week 16, it was a 27-24 victory for the Vikings. And, you know, it... it could very well be a similar scoreline this week. And mm-hmm. the, the success the Giants are going to have is obviously going to be running the ball this week against the Vikings. And and that's where they can win or lose this game. Daniel Jones, of course, has become a really prominent rusher as well this year. But obviously the key to the game for the, for the Giants is going to be Saquon Barkley. And it's yeah. against a defense that have allowed over 100 rushing yards in 13 games this season. So there's certainly, um, yeah, a, an easier team to rush against. So... Look for for the ground game to really be a focus for for Brian Dayball's Giants this week's, um, but yeah, they've got a boost in the secondary as well. They've got a couple of players back in terms of Dory Jackson and Xavier McKinney will be back uh, to bolster that um, secondary for the Giants. Justin Jefferson got off the leash last time these two teams played, and so did tight end TJ Hawkinson, who's it's been a really good acquisition for the Vikings coming through from the Lions halfway through the season. So um, he's likely to become. Offensive Player of the Year, Justin Jefferson, and and look for a huge game from him. And no doubt Kirk will be looking his way um, a lot early. Delvin Cook's questionable, isn't he? I think he had a bit of a an injury last week. Um, Alexander Mattinson took over, but I'm sure he'll suit up. He doesn't miss too many games. Uh, Delvin Cook, he's he came back. Resilient. I think Delvin Cook after Ma- yeah. Madison scored a scored a touchdown. I think Delvin Cook came back a few plays later. So. Nah, it looks like they'll be healthy then. But uh, yeah, absolutely no way I'll be playing this game either. Um, not sure who I want to win either. Maybe uh, the Giants have already done me a solid this year, so maybe the G Men to to roll on and, and rub. They, they're your team, aren't they? Big Blue. Here we go. But uh, I'm still waiting for that bottle of scotch. You now, yo, now me a half of those winnings for fantasy. But you know, that's all right. We'll <laughs> finally catch up this year and we'll get all that done. But um, I know you've had a busy week, so I'll I'll keep biding my time. <laughs> it's it's coming. It's, it's coming. coming. It's Don't coming. worry, I'm so good for Christmas it. Christmas again this year, but anyway, hey, it's coming. It's I'm good for it. Don't worry. I know you I always are. pay. I, pay, I pay my debts. Definitely. Uh, let's move on to the, the final game of the triple header on Monday. Monday afternoon, our time at twelve fifteen. The Baltimore Ravens up against the Cincinnati Bengals. The Bengals minus seven and a half point favorite, so just over a touchdown. Now the total forty one and a half, and that line's only going one way, and that's uh, towards the Bengals. Yeah, I mean, we, we've said for a number of weeks, I mean, ever since Lamar Jackson got injured, that you know the, the possibility of Baltimore doing anything in the postseason was coming down to 
whether Lamar Jackson came back fit and healthy. Uh, obviously, these two teams played last week, an 11-point win to the Bengals in Cincinnati. Uh, Lamar, for what it's worth, has said, he's told people that he thinks he's coming back. But the rap sheet, the guru, Ian Rappaport, says that he's not so sure. And I've heard uh, a number of former players over the last couple of days and a couple of weeks saying that that grade two PCL strain means that even if he is out there playing, that there's no way that he'll be the same Lamar Jackson. He won't have the same mobility, won't have the same running capacity, won't have the same power in his legs and uh, and a whole range of things uh, to, to say that he won't be you know, Lamar Jackson MVP candidate if he if he does suit up and, and play this week. But, you know, it's not all bad for Baltimore. You know, first half of the season, they ranked 15th uh, for defensive DVOA since week nine. You know, and they brought in Roquan Smith. They brought back Tyce Bowser. Uh, they're third in the league for defensive DOA. That's an incredible leap forward just uh, over the, the course of, you know, a couple of months. Uh, only the Niners and the Pats better in that metric down the stretch uh, this season. But this is reality. And I think that we know that, you know, no Lamar, no Baltimore. This is Joey Burrow. This is Jamar Chase. This is the Bengals. Uh, they don't care what your defensive rating is. They simply do not care. They're the fourth highest DVOA offense. They're top 10 in both pass and rush offense. Uh, multiple pieces have missed multiple weeks over the course of the season. And they're still an incredibly efficient, uh, dynamic offensive unit. If Lamar plays, then I probably play this line if it comes in under a touchdown. Without Lamar, I'm playing this seven and a half Bengals line every day, even if it comes out a couple of points. Like you said, that's the way that it's trending. Uh, and I honestly don't think that Lamar plays this week. I'm not sure that he ever plays for Baltimore again for what it's worth. Wow. And I think that it's worth getting on the Bengals at this line earlier, uh, given you know we're waiting till Monday. For, for us, it's you know, as we record this, it's uh, Wednesday night. Australian Eastern, uh, I honestly think that it's worth playing this Bengals line early because I think, like you said, that's going to keep going out and out, especially if Lamar doesn't play. Uh, so I, I'm all on the Bengals in this one. How about you? Yeah, look, I, I completely agree. And, and that line is, like I said, is going, it's already kind of shifted out from six or six and a half to seven and a half. And as you said, it might get up towards eight, eight, nine as, as it mm. jumps because I don't think Lamar Jackson plays. Whether or not he returns is a different question. I, I love that you're so authoritative on that. Um, I'd love to maybe ask you later in the year where he will he, where he'll end up, but I think Lamar won't play. They won't risk him, knowing that I don't think he makes a difference regardless this week um, due to the lack of mobility, as you mentioned, and, and the lack of match practice. The Bengals are hot; they're right red hot right now, and they really destroyed and toyed with the the Ravens last week. I know it wasn't a wasn't a you know a complete um gotta be a complete um dress rehearsal for this week, but uh it was probably a fair indication of what's gonna happen and, and the Bengals are a far classier outfit across the ball across the, the ground at the moment. I know Roquan Smith just got paid, which you'll be happy about. So um don't know if that's gonna make too much of a difference. So Joey Burrow and the Bengals to march on and continue to potentially defend their AFC crown. Um, but they, they look good things this week as well. So the minus seven and a half is my play as well. Uh, and then we round out the wildcard weekend with a, probably a, a low-key matchup in the end in, in terms of the this of all the matchups. But, yeah, it's still going to be really, really good to watch. Um, one of the closest betting matches, of course, of the week, and that's the Dallas Cowboys at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Bucs get to host due to winning that division. Uh, the Cowboys ended up having, I think, four or five more wins than them for the year. But 
they are on the road, of course. They are the favourites, though. Minus 2.5, total 45.5. Can the Bucks pull one out of the hat here? Well, they can, but you couldn't possibly play mm. that, could you? I mean, I've spoken to a number of you know, good mates of mine who are who are big punters, and, and you know, it's essentially 50-50. You know, one's big on the Cowboys at, at a – you know, short line, two and a half points, and one's big on the Bucks at, at plus two and a half. Um, I, I'm literally 50-50 on the fence here because Dallas are by far the better team in this matchup. They are deservedly favorites. They've been the better team all season, but they were ass against your boys, the Commanders, last week. Uh, you know, the, the play calling was terrible. Mike McCarthy's on the hot seat now. Dak Prescott was awful again, as he has been for a couple of weeks. The receivers were bad. The offensive line was bad. They were complete ass last week, Dallas but this is Tom Brady in the playoffs. And you know, can you bet against Tom Brady? Can you bet on Dak Prescott right now? I, I don't know. I don't I don't know if you can. So this is a, a, a massive no play for me and uh, I'm going to watch it with interest, but yeah, I mean this could be this could be the the, the upset game of the weekend. Uh you know, you, like I said you, do you bet against Tom Brady in the playoffs? I'm not sure. Well, this is this is my lean is certainly towards the Bucks. I, I I won't be playing as an official play for sure. It might change later in the week, especially if it gets to three three and a half. I'll definitely be taking the Bucks at home um, against this Dak Prescott led Cowboys. The, the guy is just untrustworthy. I mean, he's thrown seven picks mm. or seven. Uh, he's thrown more than seven picks. He's thrown an interception in at least seven straight games, including a pick six last week. He was terrible last week, and that and that Cowboys game just suffered as, as, as a result. I mean, they couldn't get anything going, going on the ground. If they have a running game like that or, or a performance like that on the ground again, they, they won't be winning. Uh, Tony Pollard and, and Zeke both need to you know, get 10, 15 touches each and really ground and pound that Bucks t- defense who, who will tire. And, and we know how successful it's been for the Cowboys. They just could not get anything going last week. And, Dak Prescott just has to limit those turnovers. He's just turned into a complete turnover machine. His stat line was deplorable last week, 14 of 37 passes and that pick six, as I mentioned. And it wasn't too much better against when these teams met way back in week one, if you can remember. The Bucks strangled the Cowboys that night. It was 19-3 or something similar on that scoreline. And Dak was about 14 of 28 or something like that and only for about 100, less than 150 yards. So a very similar stat line uh, to what he did last week. So... It doesn't give me any faith that the Cowboys can turn things around. Uh, and Mike McCarthy goes. If, if they lose this game, the Cowboys, there's no way he comes back as Dallas coach. I think Jerry Jones will, will pull the pin pretty quick and, and not blow the team up, but there'll be some substantial changes because they need to go in and win this and, and win it well. Um, you know, the record suggests they should, but uh, as you mentioned, I don't want to be betting against Tom Brady in the playoffs, uh, especially when he's got a home crowd behind him. But yeah, just a, an interesting one to look back at is that week one result. And, um, you know, we're both teams of full strength, really. And they'll go into a very, they'll go in with a similar lineup this week. And it was a pretty comfortable victory for the, for the Bucks on that occasion. Yeah. I mean, mate, you might be able to correct me here or, or, or put me on the, uh, on the right path, but I think I saw a stat earlier in the week that Dak Prescott's the only, the only QB in NFL history to lead the league in, I don't know if it was turnovers or interceptions uh, or both having missed four plus games uh, for wow. the season. And he leads the league in, it was one of them, maybe it was both of them, interceptions or turnovers or both. Uh, and, and he leads the league in, in whatever metric that was. And he missed, you know, four or five games this season, which is is pretty astonishing. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think it'd be very, I haven't seen that stat, but it'd be very easy to see why that's the case. And that's believable because like I said, he's thrown a, an, at least one interception in the last seven games. Um, and there's been games where he's thrown at least two or three in those. And of course he's had his fumble issues as well. So for absolutely no doubt in my mind that he's led the league in turnovers this year. And um, yeah, only last year, was it last year he led the league in passing yards or was it the year before? But he, yeah, he's had uh, an interesting up and down career. Very, I mean, he. I think we know he's a little bit more classy and a bit better than Jameis Winston, but very similar in terms of their kind of their style and and kind of how they could be magical or magical, you know, one week and and damn right awful the next. So yeah, so Dak Prescott equal leader mm. in interceptions with Davis Mills. What does that tell you? Well, that's right. That's right. I mean, there's there's, there's a lot of Texas teams that, can't hold on the ball. There's a lot of thoughts that Davis Mills will be out of the league. Um, yet Dak Prescott's a franchise quarterback on a on a very big contract. So um, maybe Davis Mills can be the next Dallas Cowboys. Quarterback. <laughs> he needs he needs he needs to improve. He needs to improve Dak Prescott. <laughs> that's that's an understatement, of course. And uh, if he can have a, a turnover free game and, and the Cowboys can run the ball, I think the Cowboys win and win well. But I just can't trust that at the moment. And, and like you said, with the Bucks at home. Tom Brady as their quarterback, uh, I don't want to be betting against that. So official no play, but uh, if that line comes out, it might be a, a bit of a play on the Bucks. Uh, let's quickly just do a lock of the week, mate. I know it doesn't count for much in the playoffs, but um, we mm. might be able to track our playoff record compared to our regular season record. And I think it's a pretty obvious one this week. It's either the Bills or the Niners. Which way do you want to go? Or the Bengals. Or the, the Bengals. Bengals. Pretty, we're pretty strong on on a couple of big lines. I don't, I don't know. I mean... Going into this, I was thinking the Niners are the, are the one because I think that this could be, you know, that could be a 30-point beat down. Uh, but the more I thought about it, you know, the, the Dolphins probably don't deserve to be there. Uh, they're nowhere near the Bills at the moment uh, and haven't been for, you know, two months. Uh, and then Cincinnati. I think, you know, Cincinnati are, are well and truly, uh, you know, on a run and, and the Ravens are not. Um, I don't know. What, what, why are you leaning? Drive us in the right direction. Lock of the week parlay, mate, maybe. But no, I, oh, I think... Uh, <laughs> no, nah, look, I, my my initial thought, like you, was, was probably the Niners. But the more you talked me into it, I think I think the Bengals one does look really... So, oh, sorry, the Bengals. The Bills one does look really solid, as does the Bengals, to be honest. So I could either go any of those three, but I'm probably a little bit stronger towards the Bills and Niners. Um, so, yeah, mate, I'll, I'll let the brain trust sort, sort it out. Oh, well, I don't even have a coin. Even have a, oh, actually, I do. My daughter's left a 10-cent piece on my desk here, so I'm going to flip the coin. You're going to call. I'm going to flip. What's ready? Uh, well, I don't know. The bills, bills could be heads because, I don't know, is a bill have a head? Uh, a 49er doesn't have a head. Well, a 49er doesn't have a head, so. <laughs> Let's go with that. All right, there we go. Ready? <laughs> yeah. Tails. Tails it is. That's the Niners. How's it is? That's, the Niners. That's the 49ers. So the Niners is the lock of the week. This is the kind San of analysis Francisco. you get from the punt return podcast. We're, we're San Francisco minus nine and a half. That's some, that's some quality data science right there. <laughs> the algorithm works. Well, we'll see if it works. We'll see if it works. We'll see if it works. And, and it, maybe it's... and maybe maybe if if it works through the through the playoffs, maybe that becomes our lock well, of the week look, algorithm it, for next season. It's the first first game of the weekend. Of the playoffs, let's um, let's double down. If if we get a win, let's double down and 
and have a second lock of the week. 100%. 100%. All right, well, yeah, Niners, Niners minus nine and a half. It is. Yeah. Love it. Let's, like it. let's kick things off in the right way with a, with a big 49ers victory. Uh, and that brings us to the end of a we thought might be a quick show, but it certainly hasn't been. It's been another 90-odd minutes. So um, it's been great to chat with you, mate, and a really good chat and to go through our preseason predictions and, and, and see where we landed. But um, I know the next couple of weeks will be a lot shorter than this, so bear with us, folks. And just a reminder, Nick, if you want to quickly talk, run through that Super Bowl challenge thing once more, we'll, we will be posting it on our socials, of course. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, like I said, we've got a uh, Super Bowl challenge bracket competition a league set up at superbowlchallenge.com.au uh log on join our league uh the punt return podcast league the id is ktnfltj 7 uh and uh yeah put in your postseason uh projections predictions whatever you want to call it for your bracket uh winner of the league wins a 2023 nfl game pass subscription so Pretty valuable prize, and uh, I think any NFL fan would, would love to have that. So get on it. Uh, jump in before the first games on uh, Sunday morning, Australian Eastern time. Yeah, well said, mate. Well, like I said, we'll be posting it on our socials. And, of course, if you don't follow us on social media, please follow us. Uh, you can find us at the Punt Return Podcast. Uh, you can pretty much find us anywhere by just searching that. And uh, we're pretty much everywhere. Uh, TikTok's fallen off a little bit. That's all right. We'll uh, we'll get back on to that next season. <laughs> But um, I'm, nah. I'm not sure. I'm not sure we've posted to TikTok since about week one. So you know, it, it is what it is. We're there though. We're, we're a bit old. Us. We're a bit old for TikTok. We you are, are a bit old for TikTok. Too old for TikTok. But uh, you can find us our our ugly mugs, our ugly mugs uh, across TikTok if you do want to have a look at what we look like as well. But now, nah, thank you very much, Nick. Great to chat <laughs> NFL football with you again, mate. And uh, we'll chat again next week after Wildcard Weekend. Likewise, and uh, yes, to everyone who's kind of suffered through the the length again, it will be shorter next week. We did think that it was going to be a bit shorter, but we, uh, you know, we we like to ramble. Anyone who listens to the show knows that. So hopefully it's been valuable and entertaining, but uh, yeah, sorry about that. Like uh, like Leba said, we're on Twitter at Punt Return Pod, on uh, Instagram at NFL Podcast. Get around it, and uh, I don't know who, I guess there's no birds this week. Who do I, who do I go? Go Niners. Go Niners.